Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to relax. Don't go too far because we have a special guest, publicist Steve Joyner. Okay, Steve Joyner. You don't want to miss this. A voice to be reckoned with with your host, Brandy Joy. Let's go. Hey, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Listen closely. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And then you can listen to me, Brandy Joy, with a voice to be reckoned with. Guys, I'm pretty nervous, but stoked to be here today. <sighs> Steve doesn't really do very many interviews, so oh, I think I'm up for the task. I'm nervous because, you know, it's Steve Joyner. But, you know, it should be okay, right? Let's see how it goes. Today, we're here with Steve Joyner. Hello, Steve. Hi, Brandy. How you doing? I'm well, and yourself? So, would you like me to address you by Mr. Joyner or Steve? No, or? no. You call me <laughs> Steve. That's what my, my, my enemies and my father was Mr. Joyner. No, my friends call me Steve. <laughs> happy, happy, happy Halloween, by the way. Yes, Happy Halloween to you, too. I almost forgot it was Halloween. <laughs> me, too. It doesn't feel like it used to, it used to be like holidays aren't yeah, the same. All right. Well, I'm so stoked to have you here. And um, Steve, I just wanted to uh, ask you real briefly: Could you kind of let um, let my uh, listeners kind of know um, just a little bit about you? Absolutely. Um, well, I was raised in Southern California, San Diego, to be precise. Uh, I'm older than forty and younger than fifty. I, <laughs> I've had a very, I've had a very, I'm a publicist. And uh, I've, I've had a very interesting life where I have met a lot of great people who have done some really iconic things. And uh, I didn't want to become a publicist originally. It just kind of fell into my world. And um, I, I got involved with radios and podcast stuff about, uh, about five years ago, roughly. And how that happened was I had 5,000 friends on Facebook. I don't even know that many people. Hmm. And... A guy in Boston reached out to me who had a show, and uh, he'd seen a picture of me with a very dear friend of mine named Carl Gottlieb and Joe Alves. Now, Carl Gottlieb was a screenwriter, and he wrote 
the, the, the movie the movie Jaws and amongst other great things. And Joe Owls was a production designer on Jaws. He's a guy that built the shark. So this guy wanted to interview them, and I said, "Well, I can't give you their number." And I, I didn't really listen to podcasts back then, Brandy. I didn't, so I really didn't know what was going on. And I set it up, and from that one meeting, I have now worked with. Oh, geez, I, I lost count of the shows, and I, I had my own show for a couple months, and I gave that up. And uh, now I book about anywhere from forty to fifty interviews a week, and. Uh, I have some clients that I put on random shows, and I get to greet, I get to meet great show hosts like yourself. Wow! And do some work together, and, and you know, everything seems to work out okay. Wow! Wow! Thank you for sharing sharing that with us. Um- I thought I. Find out some things that Steve was interested in, his favorite things to do. About, on all you do, what is your most fulfilling, your favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do? God, you know what, that's, that's a good question, and I want your listeners to know that I, I don't ever do interviews, so that's why I'm probably not really that good at it. I, I, I put, put these things together, but when, when you asked me, I said absolutely, because you're you're really cool, I like you. Thank you. Know, you. We just became friends recently, and uh, my a couple other friends of mine, like Anthony and all that, they seem to like you, so I said sure. Thank uh, you. Now, what, what do I like to do? Jeez, that's a good question. I uh, I don't have much downtime, to be honest with you. I, I used to be an avid reader, and so I can say, you know, reading, but that sounds like some geriatric. Um, <laughs> sometimes I just go for, I like to go for walks. You and I live in an amazing city where the weather is great in the wintertime, actually all year round, although it's been cold lately. Uh, and um, I, I, I travel a lot, it's, weirdly enough. I go different places in the United States. Matter of fact, I'm going to Texas next week for 16 days. So... I I don't know. I just I just I don't really. You know, I wish I said I could have tell you one thing I like to do. This I like music. I just I, I have my own little routine set up. You like to chill. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really like believe it or not. I after after the day, I'm really introverted. Like you know, when you fall off the grid and you just you know kind of drop off. Yeah, I totally That's get me. it. Mm-hmm. And I talk to a lot of people during the week, but in reality, I only see a couple of them. Yeah. Because a lot of them are up in LA and stuff, or New York, so I don't always see them. Hmm. Okay, you kind of sound kind of like me. Maybe I'm wrong, but you like you're a people person. You know a lot of people. You, you socialize, you mingle, but then when it's down and when it's just like just just Steve Joyner, it's just like you kind of just lay back and you kind of low key kick it by yourself, and maybe just a few. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, fall off, I fall off the map. What's funny is, is you know how it is. Like well, you're like me, and you know, like you just said, you, you deal with a lot of people. And then sometimes when you fall out for like four days, some people feel like, you know, thinking you're like disappearing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yep. I call it MIA. I'm missing an accent. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I had seen a familiar face on Steve's page from like when I was a kid. And it said Eddie. And I was like, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Ugh. You know, and uh, yeah, to find out, Eddie Deason.
remember him. And he still has the same face <laughs> and the voice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, Eddie. I, I, it's funny because I actually I manage him. And what that entails is I'm not an agent or a manager, but it's, it's funny. I've been friends with him for quite a while. And he's very much... Can you hear me okay? Yes, perfectly. Okay. He's very much what you see on the screen. Mm -hmm. Never driven a car. Wow. He actually, he actually talks that way. That's not an act. <laughs> and he, he, he played the first uh, computer nerd in a movie called The War Games. Yet oh, the, man oh. carry, the man carries a flip phone from the 90s. Oh. And he will, be, he will tell you, like he right now, he actually called me an hour ago. He's doing this thing called Cameo and like Snoop Dogg and Charlie Sheen and other folks are on it. And it's like where they wish he had a birthday. And he's having a panic attack because he's using this new iPhone. It's like brand new to him. And it's been out a couple of years, so he's, I haven't had to walk him through it. But no, Eddie's, a cool, Eddie's all right. So what I, my manager details for him are basically, he doesn't really act that much anymore. Mm -hmm. He's semi-retired. He's like 63, 62. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And, he looks good. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he doesn't age. But I, uh, I, I sometimes I send some of the older talent to autograph shows. And he, he does those a lot where he, you know, sells autographs, takes pictures with people. And then this November, next month, tomorrow, he's going to be doing this Polar Express tour where he's, it's like a train trip from L.A. to Florida. And they stop and he meets and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, I think I've so, seen a little yeah. bit of that. Okay. But he's cool. He's just, he's just uh, one of these people, like I said, I've met in my life. And, you know, <laughs> it happens. I'll, I'll actually see him Saturday. Well, pretty cool. Take him, take him to Verizon to have a Verizon person explain it to him. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, you know that he, you know, I mean, people would automatically think like, you know, being who he is, that he would know these type of things. But he's just a regular, average person. You know uh, what I mean? Average. <laughs> he's, he's a little weird. <laughs> he, he, he tries to pace. It, it is well. You're a mom. You got, you got a son. It's like having a child. I mean, I'm serious. He, he will, he will drive me down sometimes. So. <laughs> but hey, he's cool. Well, hello, Eddie. <laughs> going pretty good. It's going pretty good, guys. Wow. Thought I'd ask Steve some more things about himself. How he grew up, where he's from, what school he went to. Things like that. I'm from a town called Chula Vista, California. Okay, Chula Vista. We just speak about Chula Vista, California. Yeah, because I, I used to be out there. I used to shop out there a lot. <laughs> That's where I'm from now, from South Bay, San Diego. I, uh, my parents, I went there when my parents got divorced when I was a teenager, and I subsequently lived there for a few months, and I went to school there. But the high school I graduated from was pretty early, so I thought it just was better to use the high school. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I went to read, you know, those folks would know. But it's just, yeah, just, that's it. That's, that's my Malibu High School story. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's so funny. Well, I went to uh, Patrick Henry. I don't know if you heard. I do. Go Big Green. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Steve shared some things that he's never told anyone before. Alright, I'll take you some. I'll tell you some trivia about me that nobody knows. Okay. Um, 
I used to break dance. <gasps> what? I, uh, I did. I was uh, as good as a white person could be. You know? <laughs> um, I would go to the movies a lot. I just we just had fun in those days. It was eighties, and um, I went to. I mean, it was a different world back then. You know, it was a lot safer, a lot nicer. Yeah. Not nicer, but it was safer, whatever. But I'd go swimming a lot. I, I just would do normal little kid stuff there, even though I had a really bad home life. My parents split up. My dad was very abusive to my mom, and. We ended up, my father and my mom split up. My dad was really physically and mentally abusive to my, to my mom. Mm -hmm. And they're both dead now. But uh, they both passed on. My dad died of cancer. My mom died of heart disease a few years ago. And I was very close to my mom. That's why, you know, you're a single mom. And, uh, you know, I just have a really big respect for single mothers. Thank so uh, it's, it's, it's like saintlyhood to me. Uh, but my dad, you know, he, he lost our house, the IRS, because he didn't pay taxes. So I was actually homeless for two weeks when I was a little kid oh, with my mom. Wow. And my dad was a kind of a, you know, he's like I said, he, you know, God rest his soul. He's a little tough guy. And uh, so I, I lived there, and, and uh, my mom taught me never to put emphasis on material stuff because it's just, it could be gone in a minute. So I never did. And, but what's, in, what's interesting is there are no pictures of me as, of a child anywhere out there that I know of. I don't know any pictures of me went up after the age of like 14 wow. I don't have any so I you know but uh, you know I went to school I lived a normal life I, I, I dealt with bullying I was bullied and then um, one day I, I was in junior high it was 7th grade and I was bullied by this one kid and he was a lot bigger than me and I just got tired of it I took off on him and I won a fight against wow. this guy that I didn't think I could fight in a million I'm not advocating fighting I'm just saying I took off on him <laughs> and after that no one bothered me because I took out this one loudmouth kid people figured well he must be pretty I, it was lucky is what I was but it's still the bullying crisis now is way worse than it was when I was way kid. way worse yes but the good thing is they have social media and they have advocates now because back when I was in school if you got bullied or whatever you just didn't tell anybody you just dealt with it yeah. And but but now it's better. So now people are sticking up for people. But no, I uh, well, oh, I I played tenor saxophone for many years. Oh my! Uh, not not no one really knows about me. I was a sax player. I couldn't play guitar. I couldn't do anything else. I got a saxophone and I learned how to play saxophone. Wow! And I was listening to people like Miles Davis and stuff when I was a kid. Bird. I mean, I was I was into jazz and stuff. So I was a very weird kid. Wow. You know, you, 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 um, as you were speaking about your childhood and things that you were interested in, it struck a chord with me, um, you know, especially with the, you know, we spoke about the bullying and the, you know, I'm, me, my, I, myself, I'm an advocate for bullying and, um, it is a whole lot worse. And I guess back then you didn't have close to, you tell you just kind of just didn't talk about it. You didn't have anyone advocating or realizing the effects that it would take. You know, I'm pretty sure people, some people probably bullied then. You know, emulates in their life now. Um, my my child, he uh, you know, kind of has a similar story of yours, where he got n enough was enough, you know, and, and took that empowerment. You know, and said, no, you're not. You know, what I mean, not, I'm not going to sit here and let you keep doing this. You know, so yeah, we live in a, we live in a climate now in the world. I'm not going to get political, but we live in a climate now. In the last few four years, where things are a lot worse than they should be because of certain powers of people. Yeah. Anyway, but. Um, thing is is that and now we have advocates or people that you know I mean, well, like I said when I was a kid you got in a fight you got you know you got 
beat up or whatever. You just that's just the way it was. And uh, now, I mean, I remember like parents and teachers. They didn't even. I mean, teachers didn't even care. I don't know about parents. I think they just turned a blind eye to it. Mm-hmm. But I said I, I had a really great mom, and I would talk to my mom, and uh, and I just. You know, I, I I got through. I wouldn't want to be young again, though. Like high school, I wouldn't want to do it all over again. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to at all. Cause, but um, yeah, so I did that, and then uh, I I lived in Arizona for a couple of years, and then when I was 19 years old, I moved to Birmingham, Alabama, and I lived in Alabama for two years. That sucked real bad. <laughs> I had I had a an uncle back there and a couple cousins, and for me it was like moving to 1950 or something. It was just everything was different. Um, I'm sorry for your listeners from the south. You know I'm sure it's nice, <laughs> whatever, but I I wasn't with it. I remember when I first moved there, I um, went into a liquor store and they're like, "Oh, you can't buy beer on Sunday." I thought they were just messing with me, but they really. It was just different. I, I, I didn't fit in. I, I, and I was working for, I, I tried to be a plumber. I worked as a plumber for three years. So I was going through a plumbing union. That's why I went back there. I got in the union. And I just remember I didn't fit in. And then my father calls me up. And he told me that he had lung cancer and he wanted me to come back to California and take care of him. Now, my dad had married a woman who I honestly hope is not around anymore. And I hate to say it, but no, I don't. I hate cuts. But my dad, when my okay, when my parents split up, my dad ran around a lot. And I was, first time I was eight years old when they split up. And I had to go up to San Luis Obispo, which is uh, central, north central California. And my dad was working at a nuclear power plant called Diablo Canyon. He, he worked at San Onofre too for many years. And I was staying with my dad, and he would work during the nights and, you know, all night off and on. And he, he was co-owner of this mobile home, Hot Springs, called Apple Hot Springs. It's changed since then. And he had this woman that he was dating, and it was awkward to be around this strange lady. And uh, I, I, long story short, she, she abused me in a way. And... Um, I came back to San Diego, and I told my mom, and, and we had to go to court and everything. Oh. And she uh, wouldn't take a lie detector test, but and she was charged with sexual molestation of a minor, but she never went to jail. Oh, wow. So her only legal recourse was, you know, she couldn't work with children or, or adults. It's a very long story, but yeah, she abused me. Now... Um, that messed me up for a few years, for a long time, and I didn't even, you know, I, you know, I, I, I kept my virginity till I was like 18 years old. Oh. I was all, I mean, it messed me up real bad, but you know, that's what happened. Well, my father ended up marrying this woman. Oh no. He, he took her side against mine. He thought I made the whole story up, and he married this woman after my parents' divorce. Oh wow. So. When he got sick and he said he had cancer and he and he was divorcing her and he wanted me to come out back to Cali and take care of her, I was like, I'm not doing it. And um, my mother said, yeah, I want you to go take care of him. And I said, why, Mom? I said, you know, he beat you. He, he married that devil. I mean, you know, really, you know, like, what's up? She said, I forgave him. 
And um, anyway, I, I came out, took care of him, and and he died. Wow. And I and I used to take my dad over. You know where La Mesa is, right? Yeah. Okay, so I took my dad over to Alvarado, and he would get cancer treatments, uh, radiation, and all that stuff. And um, we'd have these like long talks when I drive him over there. And I asked him, you know, he, he would talk about the, you know, that that woman he was divorcing. And uh, you know, he he just he just bitch, he would just complain and bitch about everything. And then one day he asked me out of the blue. He says, uh, "Did she really do that to you?" You know, I said, "Yeah, Dad." I said, he said, okay, I didn't know. I said, man, you know, you knew this a long time ago. And you just decided to turn a blind eye. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so he and I had closure, and that was it. He died in 1999. Wow, that's really, really deep. And I'm, I was going to ask you, but you just said that you did get the closure, so you're, you were at peace, you know, with your father. Yeah, he could have had a better life, you know. But you know, he he was he was he was a, he was the son of a of an immigrant. My my dad was, uh, and my father just he was just a the old school guy, you know. So, but um, yeah, I was with him right at the end. It was weird. Was the night he died, I was with him at Alberto Hospital, and his his oxygen was like seventeen. I mean, the dude was he was checking out. He was all morphined up. He couldn't talk nothing. I mean, that cancer ate him up. And my father just stared at me, Randy. I just looked at him and stared at him and stared at him, and and that was the last time I saw him. And I left. The, I left the hospital. Oh, wow. He died. He died a couple hours later. And I remember the lady at the hospital wanted me to take his property home, his wallet, clothes, and all that stuff. And then they, you know, they were sending his body down and, and getting that all prepared. And I remember his wallet. You know, I had to cancel his credit cards, go through all that mess. And I remember. Behind one of his cards was a picture of my mother. He kept a picture of my mom from when they got married for all those years. He kept a picture. Wow. So he always loved her. And then when my mother, you know, in 2010, she got sick with heart disease and she died in 2013. She died. And I, so I, I don't know. I wish it could have been a happier ending, but hey, they, they you know, they were both. They were my parents, yeah. and I got I got an older brother. Not a lot of people know this about me. I got an older brother named Bob, who lives in San Bernardino, and he's been on heroin for God twenty years, Brandy. Oh my! And my brother right now is somewhere in San Bernardino doing drugs. He gets disability, so he gets checked. I mean, he just lives a very nomadic lifestyle. Wow. And every something you know that not a lot of people know. I don't advertise this stuff, but every four months. I have to call Sam Bernardino. I call the cops over there, and I do like you know like a welfare check to see if he's alive and all that. Mm-hmm. I do this every four months just to see if he's kicking. And if anybody wants to ask me why don't I help him, I have tried to help for years. I tried. I put him in a rehab in San Diego. Oh my God! I tried. To, he just don't want it. Yeah. He's happy. He, he, this is all he knows. This is all he know, all he wants and knows. Whatever. Yeah, he's got to want it himself. Yeah, he does. And my mom used to stress her out, but you know he's he's he's. I could literally, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to 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 sound weird or whatever, but I could drive to San Bernardino and I'd go down baseline and I could find him in ten minutes. It's 
that weird. Like he's a creature of habit. I know where he's at. So, <laughs> but, some, but but I but when I when I don't I don't go there. I haven't been to San Marino in like a year. I do have to call and say, hey, you know. And they're like, yeah, I saw him the other day. Wow. Oh man, you have you no, have no, a story but, but there. Yeah, I know weird stuff, huh? Well, yeah. I'm just telling you the real. Yeah. Well, I mean, your do your your you know what I mean your your struggles and and what you have to grow up with it, it sounds and it, it look and, and it actually shows that you um you turned out to be a a, a well-rounded and, and very with a good heart you know what i mean and you know because some people you can take any avenue no matter what kind of lifestyle you come from or family you know and it doesn't always mean like great life good lot you know what i mean and you seem to have went through so many struggles and you seem to have overcome and to still you know, you didn't become your father or, you know what I mean, yeah, any no, of that. No, you're right. And that's what we have to do. You know, and and the only alternative is, is death. And I don't plan on dying anytime soon. And and um, I had a friend that committed suicide a couple months ago, and he was 80 years old, if you believe that. Oh, no. What, 80? Oh, yeah. 80 years old. I, I had a friend. Never his heard. Name Lee, his name was Lee Paul. And I used to put Lee on different shows and podcasts and stuff like that. And Lee, uh, Lee was in like Wonder Woman and Fall Guy. Like, like this dude was in everything we grew up with. He was a big guy, and he guest he guessed on shows. He was on Hawaii Five Old, the old school Hawaii Five Old. And um, he couldn't get any work, Brandy. And he used to call me up and say, "Why aren't they hiring me?" And, and, and Hollywood and stuff is weird when you fall off the grid for twenty years. Sometimes you get forgotten about. And um, he couldn't get a gig, and I tried to, to 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 book him on a couple autograph shows, but he was a character actor, so he was just some dude that would pop up. And he sent me an email when I got back from Kansas City the day I got I got back, saying, you know, it was a suicide letter, but it didn't read like a suicide letter. An email, it was an email, and it says, you know, his legacy will live on. I didn't really catch it, and I said, Leo, I'll call you tomorrow. And then a friend of ours named Sam said that he jumped off a building over at Warner's. Oh, no. So, at 80, of all things. So, I feel bad, but I but I also feel mostly bad for his wife. He'd been married to a woman since 1972. Oh, my. So, so suicide's never the answer, is what I'm trying to say. Oh. I mean, no matter how bad things get, you don't, you never want to try to take your life. No, it's not worth but it. That's, and, and that's what he did. And he had some health issues, too, so. Yeah. Hope he's happy wherever he is. Yeah, it affects you know. I mean, so many you know people, and that's the choice um, one chooses. You know, it's like you think you're hurting. You know, you think you're you're you know solving, or you just want to get out of it, but you're actually hurting your you know your your wife or your loved ones. You know, you just I can imagine people that's don't, people don't think that you know. But when they're when they're that when they're that when they're that desperate they do crazy stuff you know yeah. and, and it's never an answer my mm -hmm. thing is is that look life can be really difficult it can be really good and it can be difficult and good at the same time right the thing is you, you gotta deal with the problem yeah anyway yeah. you know and, 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 and usually something my mom taught is that sometimes our worst fears never happen mm. you know that sometimes the worst the things we fear the most usually never happen. It's just us in our heads, you know, just creating a lot of things, <laughs> you know, that we, you know, the other week, so a lot of times we create, it's all in our own, our own heads. 
yeah, we think of scenarios and things that will go bad, but, you know, we, we do... Look, we live in a better world now. I, I, I firmly believe that. Yeah, exactly. I really do. Yeah. We live in a world where... I Here's something that no one knows, I'll tell you right here. When I was 23, me and a couple friends of mine got stopped by some cops. And they were hassling us, and one of my friends mouthed off one. And it was this crazy cop, and he actually stuck a gun to my head, my friend said. Stuck a gun to us. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it'd be videotaped and all that, you know, on, on the phone and all that. We didn't have that back then. And this guy, this is the craziest, you know, this is how the world is better now because they can't get, cops can't get away with doing that stuff. I'm not trying to down the cops, but some cops are crazy. And he, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, um, they were, so, like I said, we live in a better world where, I don't know, yeah, I get you. A lot of different ways, like that, that incident right there alone. You know what I mean? It it's better because, like you said, we have the phones, the recorders, and you know what I mean. You can't, it's not hearsay. You know what I mean? And it's just like, oh, you made that up. And people are most likely to believe a cop before they believe anybody else. <laughs> you know, that's not a cop. <laughs> and that's important. And I, I know I believe it too. I'm not. I'm not downing police, but I'm just saying yeah. overall, a lot of that I dealt with in my life kind of mm-hmm. messed up. Yeah. And they profile folks and, and they're kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I don't always, I don't always feel safe when I see a cop. Let's put it that way. Uh, trust me, I'm right along with you. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and it's sad that we feel that way. And I think it's even sadder when I have to tell my son, explain to him, like, you know, you have to protect yourself from X, Y, and Z and, you know, also from law enforcement. You have to know who and what you're dealing with and how to, you know, go about if you ever come across. I've noticed, like, younger cops are always the really early ones, and, like, older cops seem to be a little more chill than not, so, you know? Yeah. I guess they got something to prove, or they're (laughs) being bad. Yeah. (laughs) Like, calm down. (laughs) You remember the the movie Colors in the 80s, you remember that? Yes, I do, yeah. Sean Sean Tanner, remember that? Uh I like that dynamic. You had a young cop who's all hothead, and you had the older cop. I think think that's real in real life. I believe it is. Yeah, for sure. Wow. It's pretty awesome. It's just, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had, I've had some weird stuff happen, but we persevere. And, and uh, like I said, I, I've met great people, yourself included. Thank you. And, and it's good now, especially with podcasts, because there's a voice. Yes. That, uh, to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Yes, you got it right here, people. <laughs> yeah, you, you have. You, well, no, here's the thing. When, 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 I, when I was younger, we had we had traditional radio, which meant we had towers. So if you were in San Diego going to L.A., um, you were driving, you're listening to your favorite station or whatever, you couldn't, you'd lose it. Basically, you have to scan and search around. Now, with, like what we're talking on here, podcasts and stuff, you could be in L.A. or San Diego or China. It don't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as you're online. And so that's why we have a bigger reach now. And, you, you know, you can call people to task. There's a lot more things that can be done now in this world. Yeah, most definitely. I can, still got a long way to go, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And if we're at where, if we're at where we're at now, just imagine, you know, how much further and, and what the possibilities are, you know. Well, you, we're setting the foundation. I mean, I'm not a parent; you are, but you're setting the foundation for your son to have a better future. Yeah, that's that's the big challenge right there. Yeah, it is. Steve and I 
talked about our youth and how hard it is and what they're dealing with today. Yeah. And because they're probably around people who think, oh, I don't know if I'll, re-. you know, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It really is for them. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And that's why I'm going so hard with also the bullying campaign because it's not just about the bullying. It's about, it's even for the bully themselves because we can't forget about the bully. We just have to show them. I was telling my son's, uh, his school today I had to go to and I told them, I said, I, I told them, I said, well, we have to, I said, us as administrators, we have to be held accountable too. I said, we have, we expect these things from the children, so we respect each other, don't put your hands on each other. I said, but we also have to show them how to do it. You know what I mean? If we have to do it over, say it over, and show it over a thousand times, and that's what it is, but we can't just expect it and say it, we have to put things in place. We have to put maybe projects together where they have to work together, where they have to sit down and get to know each other, you know what I mean? Because we can't yeah. give them this education and expect them to go out into the world and use it if they don't even know how to, uh, you know, communicate or even act, you know, be. So it's like yeah, that's what my friend Ray Baxter does back in New York. And the thing is, is that some of the kids are bully, you know, they're, they're usually they're usually just like sometimes they're just I don't know. Like sometimes there's, there's something going on, you know. They, they, they just don't have to lash out. Yeah, they, a, lot, a lot of times I found out through statistics that they're being bullied at home or they're amongst other children. You know, I mean, they're like the middle, they're kind of like the runt of the, you know, nobody pays them too much to kind of like, you know, get pushed off and picked on. And, you know what I mean? So then when they come, you know, to school and stuff, and they, and that's all they know, really, and that's what, you know, they do. So I always try to remember that this person might also have something going on with them, too, and they're just as important as the one being bullied. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm well aware that the, the, the bully I dealt with when I was a kid, he either went one of two ways. He probably straightened up in his life or he went or he went to prison. Who knows? Yeah. Because that's usually what will happen. If you don't try to take care of the problem, usually they end up catching a case and going to prison or jail. Yep, that's, know, that's true. That's, 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 that's for real. And, you know, that we have enough people in jail that, you know, it's just, it's no, it's no, jails are no fun, you know. Mm-hmm. You, wanna, you wanna keep people out of there. And, yeah. But it's tough. Like I said, we live in a, we live in a, in a world, especially in the last four years, it's very, almost four years. Anyway, we live in a, we live in a, you know, a climate now where people are more divided racially mm-hmm. than always. Yep. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's just a mess right now. And, um, you know, I, you and I and other folks can never change the world. It's not going to happen. But we can make really big tents. Mm-hmm. I like that. Do. I like that. Now, let's say we're not going to change the world. I mean, it's, it's impossible. But we can make really, we can make dents. So any kid you deal with, including especially your son, who's going to be your biggest, you know, your biggest supporter and friend and fan. But but even the kids you deal with now, Brandy, they're going to, you know... They'll remember you and don't be surprised. This happened to my grandma. I remember I go out with my grandmother, and there'd be some woman like 30 years old walk up, oh, Miss Ainsworth, memory. I mean, that, that's going to happen to you. Yeah. You know, it hasn't already. And that's cool. Yeah. Because 
you may be the only person that that child has and 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 it's it's a big responsibility but you also have to remember brandy to take care of yourself too yeah that's very true if you don't don't take care of yourself you can't take care of anybody else that's true i think you're doing that you look like you got you look like you got it together yeah, well, look for me to see because I'm playing. <laughs> I do, but I, you're right when you say that because I kind of found myself in this situation this week where I'm like, I, I've been so consumed with, you know what I mean, just, you know, because I'm a hard worker and, and when I dedicate myself to something, then I'm going to do it. But like you said, I have to remember to take care of myself because yeah, if I don't, and, and you know. You don't, and and I'm, I'm the worst at that. You know, I, I've had, I've been doing, I, I see, I don't. I, I, I've told you some stuff on this interview I've never told anybody. It's cool. And I'm honored. Thank uh, you so much. No, no worries. No, no worries, you know. But uh, I, um, I, it just overcame it. Every time something's thrown in my way, I don't think, oh, man, it's the end of the world. I think, okay, how can I overcome this? Yeah. Sometimes you're not going to get it all the way. But, hell, I, I've dealt with skin cancer. I've dealt with, uh, I was almost killed in a car accident two years ago. I mean, I've had my, you know, I don't advertise all this stuff. It's just it happens. Yeah. And um, one thing's for real is that when, when, when it really hits the fan, that's when you realize who your true people are, you know, your friends. Yeah. And after, I remember, yeah, I got in a bad car accident up in Fresno, California, two years ago. I got hit by a uh, 10-ton truck, ran a four-way, and boom, hit me. Oh, wow. And I had a couple herniated discs, some cuts, nothing nothing major, but the, the van I was driving looked like it had been chewed up and spat out. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I got calls the next day because my phone sometimes flies off the hook and, and uh, you know, get blown up. And a couple of folks called me up and they're like, oh man, I heard what happened. You all right? Yeah. Oh man, it's good to hear. Listen, I need, I have a book coming out next month. Can you put me on shows? I mean, I would literally get stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I had one friend call me up and he's an older actor. He's a former child actor and he's in his fifties now. And and he called me up. He said, Steve, you all right? And I said, yeah. And I'm like, do, do you want to? He's like, no, I don't want to do anything. I just want to check and see how you're doing. He he, he, he really, so that's the type, you, you know who your real people are when it gets really, really real and really bad. Yeah. And that's, that's what I thought was cool. So I've been blessed to meet, to meet a lot of great people. I've dealt with some knuckleheads, but I've, I've been blessed to meet, you know, really great people like yourself, Randy. Thank you. you know? So I'm really excited to be collaborating with you on these projects and I think yes me too your uh, your show's gonna even get better than it is you'll have more interesting guests than me believe me, so. <laughs> well I appreciate you and I and I thank you so much and and no you know what tickles me is that you know because you know I, I I just think it's such a, a blessing how you know I ended up meeting you and then you're you're already just like you know introducing me to your you know really you know people that you don't have to and then i sat back one day and i was thinking i was like well gosh i was like he's you know you know letting me in and giving me people to 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 interview and stuff i said i wonder if i should ask him i'm like so i was like i just i felt like i I wanted to be considerate okay let me tell you something i have i've booked easily four thousand interviews in the last two years easily and this is maybe the this is the third interview I've ever done in my whole life. Wow! No, I'm serious. Man, and, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, I saw you and, and, and Williams Anthony. You know, you guys. Yeah, he's he's cool. Yeah, I really like so, him. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he's, he's he. Uh, I went to Kansas City, like I said, a couple months ago, and, and, and 
stayed at a friend of mine's house, and Anthony lived like 10 miles from there. And Anthony and I hit up a Rawls game, and of course he had to throw me out under the bus, be like, oh, he's from San, he's from <laughs> California. And but uh, Anthony's he's cool people. Yeah. He's, He's really easy to talk to. He made when I did both shows. It was like it was just like it was really smooth and because I was nervous at first because he we were doing video <laughs> and I don't ever do video, so I was just like, oh my goodness. So he made it easy and um, yeah, most definitely. I'm so blessed to meet both of you guys. Well, I say that went well. What do you guys think? Steve has a story there, doesn't he? And it's pretty funny. Steve, you're a pretty funny guy, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for sharing some of your most intimate moments in your life and your inspiration. And I will always hold this show so dear to me, especially since you don't do very many, and I got to be one of them. So thank you so much. And once again, a voice to be reckoned with is a home for you.